come to learn as a leader, um, answering the why is always important. Um, why you do what you do is so vital. If you're a leader, if you're a parent, uh, answering the why is important. Uh, my my four-year-old uh, brother-in-law, I have a four-year-old brother-in-law, my in-laws uh, adopted a little boy. And so my four-year-old brother-in-law, that may be his favorite word. Uh, if you've been around kids or if you've had kids, it is why to everything. It doesn't matter what you tell him not to do or what to do. Uh, the question is always why. He, he needs to know the why. It can be as obvious as, uh, hey, Liam, make sure not to go out in the street and play around the cars. Why? And so I've got into this, this uh, rhythm with him when he asked me why. I just say, well, what, why do you think? Why do you think you shouldn't go out and play in the, the street? The why is important to my, my brother-in-law, Liam. Uh, it is important to you. Answering the why behind why we do what we do. And so I, I thought about this series for a while, this series on loneliness. And I thought it was really important as we begin uh, to explain the why. Now, why are we doing this? Uh, this message today is going to kind of bleed into next week. So th- this message is going to come to an end uh, here in about 30 minutes, and, and it's going to end, but we're going to continue it next week. And I really hope that you'll, you'll be here next week as we continue this conversation. But, but the why? Uh, this topic, this idea continues to come up in my life. Uh, I feel like I can't get away from the topic of of loneliness. It doesn't matter if in my office speaking with someone, it doesn't matter if they're married or single or divorced, it doesn't matter if they're old or young, rich or poor, it doesn't matter gender, it just doesn't matter. It it seems to me that the more conversations I have with people, this idea of being lonely comes up. Uh, When I turn on public radio, if you listen to public radio, they've had numerous discussions about the, the topic of loneliness. I've read about this guy in California who took out an ad in the paper and said that I'll listen to you talk for 30 minutes for only $5. For $5, you call and you talk to this guy. And he says, I won't talk. I'll just listen. And immediately he was getting 10 to 20 requests a day. People just needing a connection with someone. They're willing to pay five bucks just to have someone hear them for just a little while. The issue of loneliness prompted the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, Theresa May, to appoint a Minister of Loneliness in January of this year. Uh, They received report that about 9 million people in that country said that they were always or most often lonely. And so the Prime Minister said, okay, we have to pay attention to this. This was her quote. She said, for far too many people, loneliness is the sad reality of modern life. I want to confront this challenge for our society and for all of us to take action to address the loneliness endured by the elderly, by careers, by those who have lost loved ones, people who have no one to talk to or share their thoughts and experiences with. The the very beginning of this uh, quote um, really hit me hard. Uh, This idea that it's just kind of the reality of life. And I begin to wonder as your pastor and as your friend, if it has to be the reality of your life. Does it have to be your story? Is it just the way life is? And I begin to think, I I don't think that's true. As your pastor and as your friend, I thought we need to discuss this. Uh, Studies show that loneliness leads to a significant increase of the risk of coronary heart disease, of stroke, of dementia, of depression. We see that mental illness, depression, uh, anxiety often leads to loneliness. 
It wasn't that long ago, you may have heard the story of uh, a young pastor in California. He was 30 and led a large church there. And from the outside, everything seemed to be going really well for this young guy. Married, three beautiful kids. He lost his dad to leukemia about five years ago, and he began to stand and, and speak about his own depression and his own anxiety and the things that were going on in his life. Uh, his wife tried to help and, and understand what he was going through. The church seemed to be supportive, and then not that long ago, he took his own life. At 30, man, I begin to wonder, and I'm not saying anyone who has these feelings of, of hurting themselves or suicide do it because of loneliness, but I just wonder. I just wonder if this pastor and his role as a pastor, he just didn't feel like he had someone to connect to and the pain of losing his father and depression. It just, he felt alone. And for him, the decision came to taking his own life. Uh, this week, the, the pastor next door, Pastor Paul, they had called and said, hey, we're going to have something on Thursday night. Can we use your parking lot? Uh, it's an overflow where it's going to be a large uh, gathering. Yeah, always. We always want to extend it. Whatever you need, you can use it. And, and Thursday evening, I was gone, but I started getting phone calls and texts from people here at Trinity asking what is going on at our church. We have a dance group. We have a basketball team that practices, and there was literally no parking places open. They were parking in the grass in the middle, down the side, in the back. Their own property was overflowing. I was trying to figure out what was going on, so I came up to try and understand, and it wasn't long when I got up here that I realized that his son had taken his life. And it was a funeral for his 22-year-old son. And so, I, one, I want to encourage you to pray for Pastor Paul. He's a great, kind man, and I can only imagine that the pain and loss he's experiencing. But again, I just began to wonder what, what would have gone through this young boy's mind. Did he just feel like no one got it? Is he just alone? Did he just need somebody? And so again, time and time again, I just hear person after person talking about loneliness and being lonely. Uh, another reason I feel like we need to talk about this is because it's a major issue for our young people. I have two kids who are in Generation Z, so those born between 95, 1995 and 2010 are considered uh, Generation Z, no longer millennials, but Generation Z. And Cigna uh, did a research project and found out that Generation Z is the most lonely. The most lonely. I have, again, two kids in that, that group, and so I, I thought, man, I, I don't want my children to be lonely. And I started thinking, well, why is that? I mean, you feel like we live in an environment where they are completely connected to everyone at all times. Uh, Dr. Gary, Gary Collins, who's a professor at Purdue in psychology, uh, he says that we live in a loneliness-producing society. A loneliness-producing society, meaning the, the culture of our world leads us to be lonely. That they did an, a, another survey. There is so much right now on the topic of loneliness. Uh, they did a survey of almost 2,000 people, and it showed there was a direct correlation between the amount of social media and the level of loneliness. That those who spend two-plus hours on social media are more likely to say that they are lonely. Uh, you don't get the likes or the shares or the comments or the follows or the retweets. And so you begin to wonder and question how connected you are to people. Do people really care? 
And social media will do a good job reminding us when we're not invited to things. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, there's a gathering of people and you're like, I must have missed my invitation. Like, why am I not there uh, with them? And so then you, you begin to have this feeling of not being wanted, of not being good enough, right? Comparison happens uh, through social media. You, you compare spouses or you compare uh, your children to other people's children. If you're a creative mindset, you begin to look at other people's things and you wonder, well, I'm not very creative. I'm not good enough. And social media begins to create these stories in our lives that just aren't true. And so for our young people who are so tied to it, and so if you're in that category here today, and you're so tied to it, and so much of what you think about yourself is tied to it, I just want to encourage you, maybe step away. Don't believe the lie or the stories that other people tell you or that you begin to tell yourself. These will actually lead us to be more lonely. And it proves that there's a difference between being connected and belonging. Right? We can be connected to a lot of people. Uh, Instagram, just this week, I had a friend request from a pastor uh, of one of the largest churches in our country. Doesn't matter to you, I understand. Um, but for me, uh, when, it, when it came across, I thought, what in the world why is this guy asking me to be his friend or to follow me on Instagram? I thought, this is incredible, right? Uh, leads a church. I think there's like 19 campuses. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, well, that's, that's cool. Somehow he found me and he invited me to be his uh, friend on, on Instagram and to follow me. And so I, last night, while I'm doing my message, uh, wrapping it up, I, I thought, I'm just going to kind of scroll through Instagram. I was like, I'm going to go look at this guy's page and see what's going on. And, and so I did, and there was only like six posts and I thought, that's interesting uh, that this guy only has six posts, right? That he's a fairly well-known guy, six posts. This is odd. And then I began to look at how many people he was following and how many people were following him. And it seemed very, very small. And then I realized that it was a fake account, that it wasn't really the pastor of this church, right? And so uh, I found the actual pastor of the church. He only follows like 200 people and he has like a million people following him. And so for me, how silly this is, but I went from this one moment of being like, all right, okay, things are pretty good, to being like, this guy has no idea who I am or even cares, right? And so we live in this environment where we can be very connected to people. You can come into this space and you can say hi and you can maybe give a hug and you can be connected, but the longing of all of our hearts is to belong. Right? That's why I make this statement. We want this to be a place where you can come and belong, right? We're all looking for that. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what your life has looked like. Deep down, all of us want to be connected in a way that is more than just kind of surface level. What we need and want to be in a relationship where we belong. And so many of you, uh, social media is not, not your thing, but there's rejection, the feeling of not being wanted, there's loss, loss of relationship, a loss of job, uh, a, a loss of life. You lose someone you care about can lead to feeling lonely. A life stage, a new situation, a new job. The feeling of being different that nobody gets me. No one understands my job. No one understands uh, the things that are going on in my life and you feel alone. Being busy, and this is mine often, my busyness often leads to me feeling lonely. I can cram so much in. I can be around people. But oftentimes, my busyness is what leads me to feel the most 
lowly. Dr. Gary Collins, who I talked about a moment ago, gives a great definition of loneliness. This is going to be kind of our working definition. He says this, loneliness is the painful awareness that we lack close and meaningful contact with others. It involves a painful feeling of isolation and sadness and a deep desire to connect with others. Even when they are surrounded by others, lonely people may feel left out, unwanted, rejected, or misunderstood. Frequently, there's depression, self-criticism, restlessness, and anxiety accompanied by a longing to be wanted and needed by at least one other human being. Despite the desire, lonely people often feel uncertain about how to reach out or are unable to initiate and continue close relationships. Then the final thing for me is I thought about this series and why we needed to do it. I read an article from the Harvard Business Review. Just real quick, uh, I don't read the Harvard Business Review, so don't think I'm uh, smarter uh, than I am. Uh, someone shared this uh, link, and it was written by the former Surgeon General, uh, which I never really realized. The, former, the, the Surgeon General is basically the doctor of our country. I don't know if you are smart. See, that shows you I don't know much. Um, but he's basically our doctor, and he gives these warnings, right? We, we know the warnings about smoking or drinking or eating certain things or sugar intake. The former... Surgeon General Murthy in this article said this, the world is suffering from an epidemic of loneliness. The world is suffering from an epidemic of loneliness. And then I would want to add on to that in silence. Right? We don't want to be that person. Right? We don't want to be the one who says, hey, I need friends. I'm lonely. Right? And so oftentimes our loneliness happens in our own hearts and in our own minds, and we never share with anyone else. We smile, we go to the party, we hang out, but deep down inside, we are lonely. And so it's a, it's a feeling I've experienced, you've experienced, most of us in some season have felt lonely. And here's why we talk about it. The, the reason that we talk about it is because I think God cares. I mean, I think God cares about the hurts in our lives and in our hearts. I, I think he wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. Nothing is too small for the heart of God. And so if God cares about it, I think that we should as well. And so we're going to talk about this just for a little bit. Um, and we're, we're going to try and help one another understand it better. A couple things I think are important to point out as we get started in this and that's loneliness and being alone are two really different things. I've, I've kind of alluded to that. Uh, but you can be alone and not be lonely. And you can be in a crowd full of people and still feel alone. Uh, last night I was at a wedding um, down by Cape Girardeau. And uh, it was a beautiful wedding, this beautiful barn. It's packed full of people. And then there was that awkward part of the wedding uh, reception. If you've ever been there, when they like announce the wedding party, like, I mean, we care about the wedding party, but we really only care about the bride and groom. So they announce the wedding party. And there's this idea that you have to do something when you come in, right? As a wedding party, you kind of come in and you give a wave or there's this idea that people dance. Well, the first guy that walks in, he comes in and he decides that it was a good idea to do the splits. And so in the middle of this room, people surrounding him, he comes in and does the splits. And as soon as he pops up, he realized how bad of an idea it was because he literally split his pants from the top all the way down to 
the bottom. And I just, you, you feel for the guy, right? You, you, you hurt for this guy, but you know there was this feeling of being alone, right? There was nothing or nobody that could intervene in that moment, right? The rest of the night, it's shirt untucked. He was the guy who split his pants for the rest of the night, right? Everyone like, sorry about your pants, but that was a bad idea, uh, right? You can feel alone in the midst of a large crowd. But you can also, some of you are like, I've got to have some alone time, right? Some of you are counting down the time to be able to go home and be alone, gives you energy. And so it's important to understand that, that there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. There's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Uh, loneliness is draining and distracting. It's usually upsetting. Where solitude, it can be peaceful. It allows you to be more creative and restorative. And so Jesus spent time in solitude. So it's not this idea that you just got to be around people. Don't, don't be alone. If you're just not alone, you won't be Lonely, that's not what I'm saying. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone. There's a difference between loneliness and solitude. And then just let me say this, that loneliness will not be defeated just by being busy, but just putting more on your calendar, just by being around other people more. I actually think our busyness leads us to less time for meaningful relationships, less time to date our spouse, less time to spend with our kids, less time to sit down for a meal with our family or to call a friend and have coffee or lunch with, right? So the answer to all of this is not just to do more. That would be the temptation. What, what we have to do as we think about the, the issue of loneliness is we kind of have to begin to dig into it. And we have to begin to ask ourselves, okay, well, what is really behind the reason I often feel lonely and how do I begin to deal with it? And so uh, I'm going to just two things we're going to talk about today. Uh, two things. These are not the only two reasons you would feel lonely. Uh, there are seasons of just being lonely because of change and different things. But these are two of the main ones that I think about when I think about loneliness. Uh, one, the first one, is that we often feel lonely because of a separation from God. We feel separated from God, and so we feel lonely. Now, I'm not talking about having access to God. Uh, you always have access to God. He has not removed himself uh, from us. Well, what I'm talking about are the decisions that we often make that lead us away from God. The decisions you make that I make that lead us away from God. Uh, that our relationship with God, the absence of a relationship, the absence of time with God often will lead us to being lonely and you may not even realize it that some of the decisions you make to go against what God would want for you would lead you to feel lonely. We see Adam and Eve in the very beginning. We talked last week as we talked about the freedom to choose. Uh, Adam and Eve are given the choice to do what God has asked them to do, and they don't. I'm going to read Genesis 3, 6 through 13. If you don't have a Bible, there's a, a red one around you somewhere. I'd encourage you to take that. That's our gift um, to you. Uh, if you have a smartphone and you want to pull that up, I would encourage you to do that. There'll be a page number for the the Bible around you. But Genesis 3, 6 through 13, it says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. We looked at that last week. 
And then this is the, the, the part that leads us to this week. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So a couple things I just want to point out here. It's interesting to me from the very beginning that Adam and Eve begin to try and cover their disobedience. They begin to cover what they had done wrong. Uh, the same will happen for you and me. Uh, oftentimes, uh, our sin or our choices or our feeling like God is not involved with us, we'll just begin to look for something else. We'll take something or we'll look at something or we'll get involved in something, just something to mask and to take care of how we're feeling about ourselves. They use fig leaves, which would have been uh, kind of prickly and rough. They're not, it's not silk, all right? Uh, and so they take this and they begin to cover it and actually would have caused more pain on themselves as they cover up for the decisions that they had made. And then verse eight, they physically hide from God. They disobey, they feel their shame and regret. They hear God coming and they move away from God. Here's, here's part of the hopeful thing I want you to hear today. Uh, God is not the one moving away from us. It will always be us that make the decisions to move away from him. That you will decide to go away. So for Adam and Eve, they feel the guilt, they feel the shame, and their response is to cover themselves and then to avoid God. But here's the good news. God comes looking for them. God loves them. God knew what had happened, and he calls out, where are you? Like, I don't think this is a God's playing hide and seek and really can't find Adam and Eve. I think it is a question of Adam and Eve's heart. Where are you? Why, why have you felt like you need to cover yourself and hide? He comes looking for them. He always comes looking for us. He always comes pursuing you. And so when you feel alone or you feel like you have walked away from God, God is still pursuing you. And so they spell it out pretty clearly, right? In verse 10, I heard you in the garden. I heard you coming. And I was scared and I was afraid because I was ashamed. This naked, it wasn't just that he was physically naked. He was vulnerable and he was exposed. And in that moment, he hides from God. Like I believe, I believe it to be true that a secret life is a lonely life. That a secret life is a lonely life. And we feel like the pain that we carry, the, the choices that we've made, the, the mistakes that we have in our lives, we hide those. We're afraid of God finding out and we're afraid of one another finding out. The scriptures are really clear that when we confess to God that there is forgiveness, and then when we confess to one another that there's healing, right? But that's not our natural response. Our natural response is to do the same thing Adam and Eve does, and that is to hide. And so there's this feeling sometimes when we begin to stray away from God that we then quit coming into a place like this. Right? We, we struggle with something and we feel like, well, I can't go there because I'm struggling or I can't go there because I begin to make some really poor decisions. That's just not true. The temptation will be go, to go and hide and to move away from God, but the hope is that God is still pursuing you. 
that there are people in this place who deeply cared for you. And then verse 21, it says this. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Now, there's so much to this. I, I, I don't have time to spend a ton of time on this, uh, but we see from the very beginning that God covers their sins, right? That he covers their mistakes, that he takes off that thing that was harming them, the fig leaves, and he gives them something better. If we want to fast forward, there is a, in my mind, a correlation between even Jesus coming, that God comes in the flesh, and he comes and he intervenes on our behalf to cover our guilt and our shame. We don't have to be separated or feel lonely or distant from God. Judas, who in the Bible is the one who betrays and turns Jesus in, he turns him in, and there's a lot of thought behind what Judas was doing. Some people uh, think Judas was hoping that Jesus would bring God's kingdom now, like he would overthrow what was coming, uh, what, what was going on, that, that Jesus would use might. And so Judas thought, well, if I get these people here, well, then Jesus is going to do what I want him to do. Because Judas has received money, and then when he is arrested and he goes to trial and he knows he's going to be crucified, Judas goes and he returns the money he received, and then he goes and he takes his own life. I just wonder if that story could have ended differently. I just wonder for Judas, if Judas would have understood the decisions he had made and he'd had a chance to go back to Jesus. Like what if Judas would have just held on? What if Judas would have just held on and he would have been one of the people that Jesus came back to? Just as he speaks to Peter who denies even knowing him, what would happen if he would have come back and had a conversation with Judas? How different could that have looked? And so for you and for me, when there's these feelings of isolation, as we feel like we have walked away from God for our decisions, would you just know that the heart of God is still pursuing you? That there is always hope in every situation. It doesn't matter what it is. That the separation from God does not have to, te to lead you to being lonely. That there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. The only thing that can is your unwillingness to understand and to come back to a God who is waiting for you and deeply loves you. He has not quit loving you. He has not quit caring for you. He has not failed you. But I think these are some of the deepest pains we experience. I think these are some of the deepest pains in our heart that we experience are the things in secret that we feel like we could never tell anyone. And that we don't want to expose ourselves even to God and say, God, would you help me? Would you forgive me to recognize the hurt in our lives? And so can I just encourage you to do a couple things? If you take notes, these aren't long, but would you just quiet your mind this week? Would you just pray? Would you connect with God? Again, we have moved away from him. He has not moved away from us. And so one of the ways we reconnect is to pray, to just connect with God. Would you remind your heart of the goodness of God, right? We, we sing, God, you're so good. One of the ways we do that is by reading the scriptures, if reading the Bible is not something you, you do, there's some tools, version. I've told you about that, the version app. Uh, it will send you reminders to read scripture or we give you a scripture of the day. It'll help you come up with a plan to read. Uh, read one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start with the story of what God is doing through Jesus. But remind your heart of the goodness of God and then live in the presence and the awareness of who God is. So we are aware of our mistakes and our sin, but we are also fully aware of the grace of God. The second reason that we experience loneliness is separation from people. Now you might think, duh, right? That one seems uh, fairly obvious. 
Uh, but I think there's more to this. In the very beginning, in Genesis 2.18, it says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, this is what's really interesting to me, is Adam's not alone. Like Adam, Adam has God, like he is in perfect relationship with, with God, yet God says, I need to give you something. I need to give you relationship with someone else. And so you and I are created to be in connection and community and to belong to one another. We were never meant to do life on our own. I think from the very, very beginning, God is setting it up to help Adam and Eve to do the two most important things, to love him and to love one another from the very beginning. And so some of us have by choice separated ourselves from other people. We're not willing to engage and to become into deep relationships with people for whatever reason that might be. Maybe you've been hurt, it's a lack of trust, you're afraid. But because of that, you feel lonely. But here's where I want to change this just real quick. Uh, loneliness for many people feels like the hole you can't get out of on your own. So even as we have told people, if you feel suicidal, if you feel like you're going to hurt yourself, please tell someone, and that is true. But oftentimes in the places of deep depression and anxiety, and that there is this thought of, I don't know if I can reach out. And so as we think about the epidemic of loneliness, maybe it's the responsibility of all of us to pay attention to one another, to pay attention to the hurts and the needs of the people around us, to actively engage with people, uh, Jesus performs maybe some of my favorite um, miracles um, have to do with more than just healing either spiritually or physically. I think there's more to it. Um, in, in John 5, there's this moment where Jesus comes up to this pool and people who are sick and paralyzed and need healing, they believed if they could get into the pool, they could be healed. And Jesus comes up to the scene and he finds a man for 38 years who had been an invalid, who, who could not take care of himself and could not walk. And he comes up to the man and he, he asks him if he wants to be well. And here is his response, John 5, 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. But just think about that. 38 years 38 years and he's got no community, he's got no people, he's got no one who would sit with him and help him into the pool. So Jesus heals him and I think heals him not only of his physical state, but I think in a way is healing him where he can come back into community, where he no longer day after day sits by a pool just waiting for someone to, to come and to help him into the water. Or there's the woman at the well in John 4, uh, there's a woman at the well who goes in the middle of the day by herself to draw water into the heat of the day alone where most people would go early in the morning or into the evening, but she goes alone because she has a past. And she has a past because of the decisions that she's made. And Jesus comes and he not only offers her hope, but he is trying to restore her back into community. That she no longer has to be ashamed for the decisions that she's made, but there's an opportunity for forgiveness. So he not only heals the paralyzed guy, but I think he also puts him back into community. He not only speaks life to the woman at the well, but he says, look, your story is not about what you've done. There could be a different future for you. And then lastly, there's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, 12 years, found in Luke 8, a womanly 
bleeding for 12 years. And this woman would have been known as unclean. For 12 years, her identity is that she is unclean. And in being unclean, she lost all responsibility of being a wife, of being a mom and taking care of her kids, of cooking a meal, of having a meal in community, of even sitting or sleeping on something where someone else would be or has been. For 12 years, this woman is seen as unclean and has absolutely no community. And then she thinks, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just get to Jesus, he'll heal me of this. And so she brushes up to Jesus in the midst of a crowd and she reaches out and just touches the edge of Jesus' cloak. And in that moment, she is healed. But here's where I love the story. Like she's healed, she could disappear back into the crowd, but Jesus stops because he knows something has happened. He stops and he turns around and he says, okay, hold on, someone's touched me. And the disciples are like, Jesus, are you, have you lost your mind? There's people all around you. People are constantly touching you. But Jesus knows something special has happened. And he finds the woman and he does a couple of things. He pays attention to her. He looks at her. He probably sees her for the first time that she has been seen in maybe 12 years because she is no longer seen as just unclean. But Jesus sees her as a beautiful person that is created in the image of God. He sees her. He knows her. And the healing of her life not only restores her physically, but back into community. For 12 years years, for however many years for the woman at the well, for 38 years, the man sits at the pool with no community. Like we don't know the whole story. Maybe people try to intervene, but, but maybe not. So maybe loneliness isn't something you struggle with. Maybe that's not one of the things that you're trying to figure out how to get out of. But maybe people around you are. Uh, maybe you know someone who is never invited to anything. Maybe you know someone who is alone and would love to have a meal together. Maybe the responsibility for some of us is to pay attention to those around us, to not allow the epidemic of loneliness to be silent in that person's life, but to invite them into not just a connection, but into a meaningful relationship. And so we want to be the kind of people who just say, hey, let's, let's do this together. I just, I'm getting to the point where church has to be a lot more than just this. Like it's, it has to be. It has to be more than you coming and hearing me talk longer than maybe you want for us to listen to a couple of songs. Like you've checked the box, but, but maybe being a part of the church is much more. It's about finding hope that we don't have to be separated from God. And so maybe you're here today and you haven't realized that. Maybe today is a day where you would say, look, I'd love to be forgiven for everything I've done. I'd love to be connected to a God who loves me. And you can do that. That's a, a, a decision you make between you and God where you confess the need for him. But maybe there's something about the church, and I'll close with this, in Acts 2. In Acts 2, this is what the early church does. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what we're doing now, studying the teachings of the apostles, and to fellowship, of being connected, to the breaking of bread, of having meals together, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. 
all the believers had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. All the Lord added to their numbers daily those, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church, the first group of Christians, it was much more than just attending a service. And they cared deeply for one another. They had meals regularly for one another. You hurt, you hurt, we, we all hurt. You need something and I have it to give you, I give it to you. The, the church, the people, not the building, the church, the people of God. There should be something different about us. That we care deeply for others. That we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so just quickly, I want a few opportunities um, th- this is an opportunity not to make you busy, but to give you a chance to connect with others. Uh, on Wednesdays, we have a couple things. We have our, our Wednesday Bible study and prayer group that meets at seven. We have a Wednesday's ladies community group where babies are welcome, right? That, that was anybody can come, any lady can come, but sometimes as a young mom, uh, there is a deep feeling of being lonely and not knowing if you can bring your new baby. This is a chance for you to do that. On Thursday nights, we have a, a women's study, a kingdom women uh, study. If you want to buy a book, if you want to uh, be a part of that, you can be a part of that on Thursday nights. This is an opportunity to connect. Come a few minutes early. Stay for a few minutes. Connect with one another. Don't feel like you have to rush in and rush out. Our men's retreat is a chance to connect and build relationships. Uh, we have a bonfire and hayride coming up for you to connect with. We have our supper clubs. This is one of those things where I want everyone to participate if possible, that people are opening their homes to connect with one another. We have two coming up, September 28th and 30th. We're looking for more people who would just host a meal in their house. It doesn't have to be the perfect house and the perfect meal. It is about connecting with one another. And then finally, maybe just invite someone to lunch or over for dinner or grab coffee with someone. Relationships won't happen on accident. And this is where busyness gets in the way. We will develop those. We will form meaningful relationships. Uh, Greg's going to come up and and end us uh, with our song. Um, Just two things as that happens. One, have hope. Hope that no matter what you've done, no matter where you find yourself right now, no matter the struggles that you are enduring through, God is near and God cares for you. That you do not have to hide, that we come to him as we are and he loves us. We don't clean up first, we, we come to him and he deals with us, he loves us. If you have made that decision, whether now or in the years past, and you've never been baptized, if you've never publicly celebrated or confessed that, uh, we're gonna be having baptisms on September 30th. Um, Would you do it? Like it's a beautiful picture of the community supporting the decision that you've made. It is a beautiful picture of going into the water and coming out clean and as a new person because of what God has done. And so if your children, uh, if your teenagers, if you, if you would like to be baptized, would you talk to me afterwards? Would you call the office? We would love to celebrate with you. Now, there's going to be these moments of fear or wondering if you should do it. I hope you'll fight those off. But would you just make this a chance to publicly confess that you believe? So that'll be on September 30th.
And then would you think about taking a step of connecting with one another? And then maybe for some of you, you would take the step of inviting, that you would invite someone into a place where they could come and belong. Would you stand as I pray? We'll sing together. God, thanks for a good day. I'm thankful as I often pray that you are near to us and that you are with us. And I pray, Lord, that that's not just a language that we use, but deep in all of our hearts, we would believe it to be true. That there's nothing that can separate us from you, God. And so would you encourage us and remind us of that today? I pray for my friends who are in this space today who have deep feelings of loneliness that are leading them to feeling unwanted, uncared for, and nowhere to belong. Lord, would you encourage them this morning? Would you help encourage them to reach out? Would you encourage someone around them to reach out to them? Lord, would you just help us to be the church? Would you help us to care deeply about you and one another? I pray in Jesus' name.